This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a shot! Oh, it's a goal! Mike Well post for Shearer. Goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And a goal! Comes to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hobble! Folklore and rock and roll as Harry McCurdy's double helps Swindon Town to a 2-1 win over Port Vale in the first leg of the League 2 playoff semi-final. Here to discuss is Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, Rich. It's uh, It's been a good weekend, isn't it? Eurovision last night, the, the, crown, the crowning glory I thought it would be, and then halfway to Wembley today. So we've had worse weekends. Did you enjoy Eurovision? I did. I well, I I only watched the songs. Uh, I had to go. Oh well, I didn't have to go. To, I, I went to bed because I've got to get. I, I get woken up at five o'clock by a little screaming gremlin in the room opposite. But I went to bed after the songs, then woke up, saw the result, and what a what a result! It's singing's coming home. Singing's coming home, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> and and about bloody time too. Exactly. <laughs> I might add. No, I did exactly the same. I watched the the performances and I didn't go to bed. I just felt I had better things to do than <laughs> than watch a bunch of people give give points to I don't know. France didn't do well, did they? Um Moldova, as I referenced Moldova at the start there. Yeah, so well done everyone who enjoyed Eurovision. Well done to Dave who got his way because he got to enjoy Eurovision and not have a conflict with Swindon Town playing on Saturday night. Instead, that was Northampton at Mansfield and that game finished 2-1 to Mansfield. I was praying 
for the Saturday evening kickoff because I couldn't go to this game, David. It's my brother's 40th birthday today. Happy birthday, big brother. I'll remember this day for a long time, but hey, these things happen. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to learning a lot from you. Were you sober in this game? I was in a, in, a, in a change of events from the Walsall game. I was, yeah, I was, I was stone cold sober. Oh, yeah, David, you stood next to me, and I, I got to be honest, most <laughs> of the low strangers crew that I was surrounded by that day had maybe one or two too many in the early stages. I think Connor held his own very well, yeah. um, but you, James, and Terry, <laughs> drunk. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I just, I fell over just standing still on multiple occasions, and it's, that's a bad sign. But um, I, I, I do remember bits of it through the, through a haze. Um, but yeah, no, today, no, twelve o'clock on the Lord's Day is far too early to be getting on it. So I was, I was stone cold sober. Good, because then you'll be able to talk me through this game. One superstition that I did for this game is I wore exactly the same clothes as I did for the Warsaw game for this one, just in case, you know. I didn't wear the bucket hat. I don't think I would have got away with that at a birthday party um, quite. Uh, it just wasn't worth the attention-seeking, was it? Like, happy birthday. What's he wearing? It's a potato print football hat. Oh, right. Uh, is he okay? <laughs> no, he's not. He's not all right at all. <laughs> right, let's talk about this game. Um, rain. Took away the usual playoff vibe, didn't it? It was an horrible, horrible, horrible day. Poor old Port Vale fans getting drenched as as they feared. Didn't sell out their allocation. Shall we put the full stop on that now and not uh, reference it? Or do we continue mentioning it to, to have that superiority complex roll on for another few days? I, yeah, I guess we shouldn't dwell on it. There was a good chant. Um, halfway through the second half, which was uh, sit down in your empty seats, which I quite enjoyed, which is a nice bit of um, novelty coming out of the town end. But yeah, I think it's just yeah, no one came out of the no one came out of the arguments looking good, and it's it's in the past now. So I think yeah, move on, move on. Hey, it was good to see so many um, in the away end, and I, I hope they enjoyed their day, no matter what the result was. So let's look at these starting lineups. We don't really need to talk about the Swindon one that much, do we? It was exactly what we expected. Ward in goal, and then uh, defensive Egbo, Baudry, Conroy, and Iandolo, Payne, Reed, and Williams in midfield with McCurdy, Davison, and Barry up front. A few changes in the Port Vale squad, but they set up exactly. How we anticipated Stone and Goal, Smith, Martin and Hall at the back. Worrell come in, Pett, Garrity and Gibbons. Charlesley came in and uh, Wilson went um, up front proper with Edmondson alongside him. So then, I guess, I guess the big talking point from what I gather here is how these two teams set up to try and win this game. So if you don't mind, Dave, if you can firstly sort of focus on what Swindon were doing in those early stages before the goals went in and what Port Vale uh, were doing. Um, so early stages, we kind of, we know how we've played the last month or so. And it was, it was more of the same, same, same setup, quite sent, quite narrow in midfield, midfield three. Um, and looking to get the ball quickly to McCurdy and Barry on the wings. Um, what I think what Port Vale set out to do very early on was to see who could kick Johnny Williams in the air. The highest, they're, they're very, um, 
a very agricultural approach but in terms of the the way that their shape was set up they were they had three in the middle to basically nullify our midfield three and they did that throughout they just took a slightly different approach with the wing backs in the back three um they started the game quite well um Port Vale did they I think for the first 10 minutes or so they were on top but gradually we grew more steady at the back and we started to move the ball through the thirds a lot better and I think as the first half progressed we were much the better side and deserving of the lead that we'd go on to take um yeah but we just played with a lot more pace. We played with pace at times. Um, and when we play with pace and get the ball forward quite quickly, but smartly, then we're, we're a very dangerous team and it's very fun to watch. Um, and there were times in the first half where that happened. And I think Port Vale are a much more, um, I said agricultural, rugged. Um, I mean, David Flickcroft's there, um, director of football. So you can kind of <laughs> draw your own conclusions from that. But it's very much... Um, uh, what you'd expect, knowing that fact. Yeah, we got just short of seven minutes into this recording, not including edits, before David Flitcroft's name was mentioned. It, it's interesting because I, I don't, and I'm I'm not an expert on Daryl Clark as a, as a tactician, but I've experienced David Flitcroft, and this does what you're saying seems to be straight from his school. So it makes sense that if he's bringing in the players, this is a David Flitcroft sort of team. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean to be um, snobby about it because at the end of the day, the, I mean, they're just well, we've trying had to, it. We've, we've, we've experienced yeah. it. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's no um, wrong way to skin a cat and there's no wrong way to, to win a league two football match. And, they obviously got some success at it. It's just a bit. Uh, it's not always the most entertaining thing to watch. Um, they're very. I wouldn't. I, I, I said they, they were very tough in the tackle. I wouldn't say they were out and out dirty, um, but they were very hard. And I think they overstepped the mark quite a few times. The referee um, was very lenient with a lot of the tackling that went on. And I think if he'd have brandished a card at one of the opportunities early in the first half that he had. It might have panned out a little bit differently, but as it was, um, be very in your face and quite direct front to back. Um, and we were we, we dealt with it well, pretty much, by and large, throughout the whole game. Uh, so if that's the same to come on Thursday, then I don't really have any concerns. <laughs> well, congratulations to Port Vale because they're... BTEC and Advanced Agricultural Studies from Lackham College is in the post. It's not, it's, <laughs> I, I, I joke, but it's not a crime, is it? I mean, unless they're, no, you know, no. really hurting people, if that's the, the, the tactic. I mean, from the things that I was reading, it sounded like they were really trying to rattle a few of the personalities. And that's fair enough as well, because Swindon have had a dissent issue this this season haven't they yeah. so it makes sense yeah. to try and wind up a few people and from the outside Harry McCurdy is the sort of person that you think oh, I can get him to hit me or push me or do something uh, daft I mean his biggest crime is he's always in the ear of the officials it's not because he's he's sort of nasty or he throws punches or anything like that but it, it makes it makes absolute sense to try and yeah. rattle the players doesn't it yeah and we're not we're not whiter than white when it comes to that we're just going about it in a different way just being being snidey and uh rolling around on the floor a bit more than perhaps uh we should do but there's the, talking to McCurdy there's a there's a great example at the end of the first half where 
Um, he's running into the corner with the, I can't remember the Port Vale centre-back's name, but McCurdy basically grabs the, the centre-back's arm and falls to the floor and then complains trying to win a free kick. Um, yeah. And then the referee blows for half-time and the centre-back's getting in McCurdy's face. And like McCurdy, I, I don't know how much of that is like a genuine reaction in the time and how much of that is like the premeditated back of the mind. Oh, we need to try and wind Harry McCurdy up and, and get him get him carded or get him sent off. But McCurdy, to his credit, just just brushed it off. As much, as much as he does brush things off, to be fair. Um, but um, yeah, it's a clear tactic from them throughout. But we handled it well. And we scored after 26 minutes, a corner. Williams with the corner, flicked on and flicked in. Harry McCurdy. Not one that we've seen all season, but I'm having it. Yeah, he's uh, he's not the, the the prototypical threat from a, from a set piece, but... It it was it it was weird because we I get I'm, this is I th- I get this, the sense that if you if you ask me to describe a Swindon corner, I would pick I would I would describe it as a as a six yard pass from the corner to Jack Payne to fanny around with it and then maybe pass it or maybe cross it in or maybe give it back to the centre back. But this was just an old school um, Brexit corner to the front post. McCurdy skipped across the defenders and it was a great header across the goal. It was really like technically a really um proficient finish and it's it's amazing looking how how McCurdy has developed over the over the year from where where he started the year as this kind of enigmatic winger who would drift in and out of games and I think I think we all kind of thought that wow he he might be gone by December to where he is now where he's He's got such great technique, and it's obvious how how well supported he is by the management staff, and how that's helping him flourish. And he's scoring different kinds of goals, whether it's like a little tap in, or like 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 the the Walsall game where it's a thunder bastard from like twenty yards, or they could glance in header across the six yard box. He's really like he's really developing into a great finisher, and all, all credit to him, I guess. Long may it continue. Ah, oh, one of our favourite phrases, and it's completely true. I mean. I, I agree. If walking to the ground on January first for Northampton, you would have told me that this this side would be relying on the goals of Harry McCurdy for the remainder of the season. I wouldn't laugh in your face, Dave, but I'd be like, "Are you okay?" You yeah. know, it, it's it's been a you know he, he contributed in the first half, but he you know he Alex Gilbert was ahead of him in the yeah. Swindon eleven. You know, it, it it really is as you put it in those terms. And Gilbert, you know, wasn't terrible, but he was never going to have the season that Harry McCurdy's had. And the same applies to Mathieu Baudry. I mean, if someone told me, you know, well, three two months ago that he would be pivotal, well, people would have laughed then. They would have laughed and said, "Behave yourself," because you know his career was just fading away. And now, you know, it, it, there's no way the man can retire. On, on this form, you know, he's going to have to have some serious thoughts about what he wants to do in the summer because I think he'd be welcome here based on the last few months or the last month or so. Yeah, the, la- the last month has been the best um, sustained spell that I've seen Baudry play since he's been with us. Um, it's just his today. I, I mean, I'm, I know we're getting ahead of it, but he, he's definitely in the conversation for the man of the match performance today. He was just in terms of like the old school defending, like, Head it, kick it. He he did his job so well. He marshaled the the Port Vale defenders. He, but 
on the ball. And I know um, when uh, Terry and Connor spoke on a podcast a couple of months ago, I think it might have been the Newport game, and the main the big criticism was Comroy and Baldry's um, dallying around at the back, and it made us so slow. But that's not the case anymore. They're the whether it's just they're more in sync with the players in front of them, or there's been a uh, like a, 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 a shift they've deliberately tried to put in place tactically. They're, his distribution of the ball is so much better at the minute, and it helps us so much going forward. And I agree, he can't like it. it well, I mean, I don't know what his what his um, thoughts are in life, but he must be having some kind of second thoughts, um, and he just helps. He helps Comroy as well. Comroy's looked so much steadier having Baudry next to him. The two, the two of them just don't stop talking to each other throughout the whole game, and we look so so much firmer at the back. I know we've like conceded today, and we'll get onto that. And I know we've conceded the odd goal here and there, but defensively, we look a lot steadier now than we have done throughout most of the season. I think, in my opinion, yeah, yeah, and I know like there's a lot of assumptions around Baudry, but I think they're based on social media messages that he's put out as opposed to us just making stuff up. I've spent the last two minutes watching the first goal. Um, McCurdy has been waiting. I mean, he's been lying about that own goal being a turn <laughs> that was scored at Val Park um, is being reversed to his, which hasn't happened, but he's finally got the goal against Port Vale that he wanted. He clearly wanted it even, you know, we'll talk about his post-match a bit later on. Um, couldn't resist the bow and arrow. <laughs> I mean, he is getting so much coverage on social media now where, you know, those sort of weird fan accounts of Chelsea fans and other Premier League clubs are, are all on board the McCurdy hype train. Yeah, he's because he's, that's not what professional media managed footballers do in these days, is it? It's, it's a throwback. Like his, his whole approach and demeanour is a bit of a throwback and it's refreshing for us um, at the time, at this present time, I'll heavily caveat that statement, but mm-hmm. um, it's, yeah, it's just great to see and like, like I'm just repeating myself, but long, long may it continue because I know we all have our fears that it'll blow up someday, but maybe it won't, maybe it won't, maybe, maybe in, in 30 years he'll be coming to the, the Clemore Thune County Ground Extravaganza Stadium instead of, well, to see Swindon play in Chelsea in the Swindon end, in the whatever the Premier League's called by then. I don't know. I've been up since five o'clock. I'm, I'm drifting. Yeah. No, it's fine. I'm enjoying every second of it. <laughs> um, you know, unveiling his statue at the County Ground, which will also look like Tony Cruz, um, like the, uh, the recently unveiled... Sergio Aguero effort at Man City. Whenever, and this is the absolute side, whenever statues are unveiled, I always think, are you sure you want one for Don and John? Are you sure? Because these are these are very expensive statues that have been unveiled and they look nothing like the person they're celebrating. But, you know, I look forward to seeing them. Um, Port Vale, they wore a horrible, what what colour would you say that? Champagne kit? Uh, Muddy gold. Muddy gold is that is that like the Burberry color without the stripes essentially? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> not, not very nice. Um, yeah, it, it looked fleshy um, in some of the footage. <laughs> oh, it's 
Swindon one up. I read a couple of comments in in my skim through that that said Port Vale did well with our midfield um, during this game, and they weren't as influential as they usually are. And I guess I'm talking about Payne and Reed here because Johnny Williams got a few shouts. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Like I like I say, they they went three in the middle, and they it was almost man for man, and they were just sitting on top of Payne, sitting on top of Reed, uh, kicking. Williams and we just didn't really get the we didn't really have the leverage through the middle of the park that we are, we we sometimes get against other opposition but I think our, our approach to that was to try and use the width a bit more and go a bit more direct and target the fullbacks to try and get straight to Barry and McCurdy and we did create a few more chances in the second half in that manner we got into the final third by going over the fullbacks head and then Payne had a good shot uh, which he probably should have done a bit better at just inside the penalty area. And he just fired it straight at the goalkeeper. Um, Williams had a good shot from distance, which the goalkeeper tipped over. But aside from that, it was, it was yeah, it was fairly cagey, I'd say, for the for the rest of the first half. Although I never felt at any stage that um, Port Vale looked particularly threatening. I felt it was we were in control um, pretty much. Yeah, which makes the conversation a bit later on all the more frustrating, I suppose. But one 0 at half time. Were, were there any were any other moments in the first half that we need to discuss? Uh, I'm looking back through my notes here, and I've, unless I've unless I've forgotten something really really obvious, I can't I can't think of any. So half time, one 0 up. Just keep doing what we do. I mean, it's it's quite a way into the second half before we score. Were, were we still comfortable before going 2-0 up? It was a little bit like the start of the first half where Port Vale came out with a lot of intensity and had a lot of pressure but didn't really create many chances out of it. And then that kind of fizzled out and we started to grow and grow and grow into it again. McCurdy had a good chance on about, I want to say it's about the 60-minute mark. Um, there's a good play down the left. Iandolo gets to the byline and whips a ball in and McCurdy's stretching if you picture um, Gascoigne in uh, the Euro '96 final, he's like that. Um, he's just stretching and stretching, but his legs aren't quite aren't quite long enough. But it we just felt like we were on top at that point, and then the goal comes not long after that. It's a good bit of good bit of play by Payne. It is, I think, to bring the ball down in the middle, and then he works out wide, and him and McCurdy have a bit of interplay, and then the shot comes in, and it's a it's a good save. But I think again, going on going on just McCurdy's technique it's a really good finish to respond that quickly to a ball coming in at quite an awkward height and be able to hit it low get his head over the ball and keep it low but keep it direct because there were defenders going back to cover and to keep it direct and with the pace and the power to get into the the goal and I mean I know I'm describing a professional football here and maybe I'm being too generous but it it was it was it's, it was really good technique and we just felt like felt completely on top of that point. It looked like the Port Vale players, like their shoulders started to dip and the game kicks off again and we just carry on on top. We had some really good chances at 2-0 to put the game beyond bed and I don't think it will come back to bite us throughout the full um, 180 minutes, but the Josh Davidson had a good chance. There's um, the Port Vale defender stands on the ball basically and Davidson's in, but he never quite gets the ball out from under his feet and his shot kind of 
where everyone converging on him goes over the bar. And then we have another opportunity when Barry's breaking at pace and he's got McCurdy one side, Davison the other, and he doesn't really do anything to either of them and the whole attack fizzles out. But even then, we just, yeah, we it felt like we were completely on top and completely comfortable and Port Vale were just doing what they were doing. They were trying to get the ball forward quickly, but our back four were, were dealing with it really well and didn't feel under any kind of concern until the goal came. <laughs> Payne. McCurdy. Payne. Can he drive it across? It's McCurdy! <laughs> well, I don't think we've given McCurdy's goal enough love here. And and where we said it, where I said in the in the first half when we scored, it was a not very McCurdy goal. I, I think the goal is pure McCurdy because it's just gobbling up somebody else's effort with absolute aplomb, which he definitely has done this season. And I think it, a bit of me thinks like the shot he had for when Egbo did the Rabona against Walsall and he got the technical wrong. It was it was very difficult and a bit and quite a bit way out. But this time he got it absolutely spot on. And it is a very, very satisfying, cleanly struck effort. And we have to say the town end looks magnificent when that goes in. Uh, always good to see like ticker tape fly like toilet paper across across the goal and people going crazy. The town end is great when it's full and Oh, it was lovely to see. No, I agree with all of that. It was, it was quite a good atmosphere. Um, well, no, it was it was a good atmosphere throughout the game. I think it it felt a bit flat at the end, but I think that's just the nature of the way it ended. But in the first half, in particular, I thought the town end were in were in great voice, and the all the paraphernalia. I guess it sounds like an old man, but all of the like the ticker tape and the balloons. It's, it makes it feel like a like a good event, and I'm sure it. Well, it, it looks good on TV from what I saw. And it just makes makes the makes the whole event a bit more memorable, doesn't it? Oh, it certainly does. Well, we got to talk about we got to talk about the goal that Port Vale scored because, frankly, it changes everything. Really, I said in the presser that I expected it to be a tight conclusion. I predicted a one-one draw, but I said a a you know a very close win wouldn't surprise me, and that's what's happened. The luxury of a two-goal buffer was, you know fantasy but it was so close <laughs> it's again we're talking about typical goals that one was very swindony um loads of opportunities to get it out or at least you know press the attacker um close them down we didn't and then you know i think it's been very harsh that people pointed out that Baudry kept him on side um james wilson for the it's not even a consolation because when when <laughs> They're well back in it now, um, but to pull one back, it was it's a disappointing goal to concede, and at a very disappointing time of the game too. Yeah, it is. We'll see what effect it has on Thursday. I'm a lot more confident, I think, than you are. But I think the um, oh, no, I th- not necessarily. We'll get to that. Thirty seconds before the goal, Comroy had gone off um, with a knock and got physio treatment, and so then had to go off onto the side of the pitch and was in the process of being waved on kind of as the play was developing for the goal. And I don't know how big an effect that just that brief, brief few seconds of disorganization at the back had in the way that the goal planned out, because like you say, it's very sloppy and it was very out of character for the way we defended the whole game. We dealt with 
falls into the box so well and so decisively. Um, that's the only real error that kind of happened. And I don't know if Baudry, uh, Baudry's positioning is also influenced by the fact that for for like 10 seconds or so, it's a bit of a makeshift back line possibly. Um, but yeah, it was, it, like, it was out, it was kind of almost out of nowhere. Um, I'd go as far as to say that because like I said, the, the Port Vale weren't creating chances. They were having a bit of pressure, having a bit of the ball, but we were dealing with everything so comfortably and we felt like such a threat on the back and uh, on the break. And then just like a sucker punch goal, which it feels like it's the kind of goal we can see a million times each season, but I'm sure you can analyse any goal and <laughs> pit, pit, pit into that kind of box. Uh, yeah, maybe it's just me that found that a very Swindon-y goal to concede. It, it, does, it did feel like it was completely preventable, yeah, um, having watched it back. But, you know, the, the narrative of the game shows it was quite, maybe quite unfair on Swindon. But Port Vale have that now. They've got that to cling on to. And, you know... They they have sold pretty much Vell Park out for that, and they'll be noisy. I wouldn't say I'm pessimistic going into it. I just wanted that two goal buffer um, because they've got to go out and score goals, and that's going to open them up. And we're bloody good on the counter, so you know Swindon are gonna are gonna threaten them at Vell Park. I've got no doubt about that. But we'll talk about that a bit later on. It finished two one, which you know I'm taking that all day long. Um, I like the luxury of a better result, but it's it's a goal advantage going away from home. Before we go into the man of the match, I just I'm always something I'm always analysing how we do the podcast and how the conversation goes and the way it works this season is there's not as much time to do prep as I've had in previous seasons to do this. So we sort of, as we like to say, vibe it. And I always feel that we don't give enough credit and love to some of the players, not individuals, just that we always talk about two or three, if that. This is an opportunity now to just go through the squad and just give them some love or just say, well, we need a little bit more from them. Lewis Wards, still in there? Yeah. Deservingly still? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, on, I'm of the opinion. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if this is the way you want to start this positivity. Um angle um i don't know he's 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 perfectly competent at saving the ball and kicking the ball long i think um we rely on a bit more than that but he's he's been a part of the i guess he's been part of the winning team and you you can you can view it as don't change a winning team he's not done anything wrong today he'll always give me um kittens when he's been played the ball back in under pressure from the striker because he's He's quite. I, I, he's, I don't think he's that adept with the ball at his feet, but he's—he's he's probably. I, I will say he's probably better. He's probably more assertive um, at, at corners and crosses into the box than Wallacott. And against a, a side like Port Vale, maybe that's maybe that is what you need. So yeah, some some compliments in there. Some some concerns, but. Yeah, I have to have have to do an archaeological dig to discover those compliments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Scratch the surface a little bit, and it's tough for this because we we've gone it all in on JoJo, and you know, as I've always said, my first viewing of Lewis Ward was a was a abysmal performance for Exeter City against Swindon, and you know, I, I watched some of the highlights and some of the saves. I'm like. 
did that need to go up for a corner? <laughs> but um, he's doing his job. And I, and I think the club really go in hard on, but they really go it all in on Lewis Ward. I don't know if he's friendly with like social media team or whatever, but Lewis Ward always gets props. <laughs> always. I've noticed that every single game he gets he gets a uh, how good was this guy today and maybe it is because you know maybe he is that good and we're we're wrong. Mandela Egbo got a few shout outs in my uh, in my request for man of the match. He didn't get it, but um, we haven't talked about him or Ellis Iandolo. So how did they do? I th- Egbo kind of carried on from where he left off at Walsall. I thought he looked very very good going forward as a real threat. He carried the ball really well. He had one run which wasn't too dissimilar to the run for the first goal at Walsall, but he looked like he was in a little bit more control of the ball during the time. Um, and he's he fits in well defensively with that back line. I guess the only thing with him is where he's come in late in the season, he doesn't have that fitness and 70 minutes is, is Mandela Egbo clocking off time. Um, but <laughs> if we can... If we can get seventy minutes out of him again on Thursday, I'm sure that that will be more than plenty. And Iandolo, I mean, I think he's better in the middle of the park than at a left back. But playing there out of necessity, and again, did nothing wrong. Put a put a brilliant ball into the box for um, that chance I described that uh, McCurdy missed. Again, did didn't really do much wrong defensively. Although I don't think that's his particular strong point of him. And the weight goes on for that elusive goal and the elusive um, Tyler tattoo, but we can live in hope that that will come on May the 28th. <laughs> uh, we've talked about Conroy and Baudry having good performances, uh, Reed and Payne stifled, but still did their bit. Johnny Williams, one of his better games. I mean, it, Johnny Williams really has started to show what I think I wanted from him at the earlier stages of the season, where he was more of a bit part player, trying to, get to full fitness. I think the management of Johnny Williams this season has been sensational. In fact, you can you can point at several players and Baudry is one of them and say like the man management of these individuals, especially in relation to their fitness, has been second to none considering what we've had in previous seasons, including under managers that we've absolutely loved. So um, it's great to see Johnny making such an impact now at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. So... Just is it that experience that having someone like that at this time of the year, it's it must be so invaluable. Like the, not even discounting the um, European competition for Wales, like the two playoff competitions. He knows what he knows what it's been like to. He knows what's needed to go through this, and you kind of look through the spine of the team, and like Bowdry's been successful in the playoffs, and Jack Payne's gone through the playoffs with Southend. It's that kind of experience that you need when when the going gets tough. And uh, I I agree. Williams' form in the last few weeks has been has been what we've needed because there are I think kind of as you say he has a bit uh, disappointing might be going too far, but he's not quite been at the level throughout the entirety of the season. Yeah, I'd say disappointing is 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 not too hyperbolic. We all remember when he was announced because there was no in the no no you know it didn't leak that that news story didn't leak so when it came in you're kind of like what and you know johnny williams isn't exactly you know top 10 premier league but international footballer who's playing in the championship last season and um you, you know you, you, we were not expecting those 
caliber signings you know that's pretty much the rhetoric that they were saying like you know we're gonna try and stay up and then johnny williams turns up and you're kind of like we can't really go along those lines if we're signing these type of players and then and then there were several months where we're sort of waiting for him to just kick on and he shows those glimpses yeah and then ruins it by going to the ground too much and the referees cotton and on and and now it, you know, he's showing it, and I, I think it's definitely um, he's definitely de- disappointed for for segments of the season. But it's not a crime, and he's making up for it now, and he's still been a, a massive contributor to the season. But I, I completely agree with that. Josh Davison and Louis Barry. We we obviously Harry McCurdy is Harry McCurdy. How did the other two do? Um, Davison, I'd say it was a it was a typical Davison performance in that he ran around a lot, and you can't never can never fault his effort um i think he had like i said he had a very good chance to to make it 3-0 which he just didn't take and i he's got a good scoring record and i do it i do debate it sometimes because he's got a good scoring record but he also looks like he's not a natural finisher a lot of the time but then he'll take a chance it's almost like he's very instinctual he can take the instinctual finishes very well but if there's any thinking time, then I don't know. It gets in his head, or maybe it's just analysing a, a grown man that I've never met from hundred yards away. Never going to get anywhere with it. But um, yeah, and I mean, I mean, he has to do what he has to do because without him, I think <laughs> the whole kind of team falls apart because there's no way we get any kind of performance that McCurdy gives with him playing as a central striker and the drop off if we tried to fill that role elsewhere is so great that I think with that, that's such a key position that he remains fit for us, even if he's not scoring just to add, just to occupy two center backs and give the others room to move. And I guess those others room, room to move with one of them would be Barry. I think he, I don't know. He's very young and I don't want to be too critical, but I'll, I don't think I've seen what others have seen in him. He's obviously a very technically gifted footballer and he's he can do a lot with the ball and he has shown flashes, but I don't know. You, you I don't know. There's you you get young loanies coming down to this level and some of them will take more games by the scruff of the neck than not. And I don't think that we've seen that from Barry. And I don't I'm not saying he never will, and I'm not saying he won't go on to be something, but whether this is just a year too soon for him to be playing such a big part, I'm not sure. But he just, I don't know, the decision-making isn't there, and he's just on the peripheral. And it's felt like the last few games I've seen, he's just been there on the peripheral where the rest of the game's been happening around him. It's a quite a sensible way of sort of saying what I've been trying to articulate for the last couple of weeks. I think there's definitely a sensational football in, in there, and I think he's brilliant. And when it works for him, it's as it's as good as you'll see at any club at this level. It's it's far too good for League Two, but he does he does drift in and out of games, doesn't he? And yeah. and when you really need him to to do it, which is finishing, I would say he's he's not quite there yet. And I think we might have got him a season too soon. But if we go up, we'll almost certainly have a shout in bringing him in again potentially if we go up to League One, certainly. So um, we'll see how it goes. I've not seen any, because obviously substitutions were made. Happy birthday, Jake O'Brien. He got a couple of seconds at the end of the game. Akin Odomeo and Ben Gladwin came on before 
the goal that Port Vale scored, but just one of those sort of out of nowhere, no one could be blamed for that. Did they do okay coming on? Because these are the guys that are going to play at Vale Park or or Wembley if we get there. So are they were they were they okay? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they did anything particularly wrong. I wouldn't I wouldn't say they did anything particularly noteworthy either. They, I mean, good. Yeah, I just, it was just... there's nothing worse, is there, than a substitution, a sensible substitution being made, and then six minutes later we concede, and you always hear people in the stands going, "Well, that's because you took Egbo off." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you're like, "Well, Egbo wasn't in, wouldn't have been involved in that in any way, shape, or form." But you, you know what it's like, don't you? So that that's good. Okay. Man of the match then. So it really was a two-horse race. Um, there were nods to other players, Williams, Egbo, um, Conroy, a couple of others, but it really was between McCurdy, who I think got the Sky Sports Man of the Match, and Mathieu Baudry, who is an absolute listener's favourite. Since he's come into the squad, the listeners have given him three... Man of the Match awards in that time, and they've given him a fourth. So Baudry gets the listeners' Man of the Match by about four or five votes. Do you agree, or do you give it to McCurdy or somebody else? I I I agree. I know I'm sticking with my principles. I agree. I think he was he just oozed confidence and calmness at the back, and I mean McCurdy scored two goals, and I. I sound si- I feel silly like downplaying that, but I just as I over over the overall Baldry's performance was just so good, and he's, he's I don't I don't get it. Like I thought he was being put out to pasture four months ago, and he's come back and he's <laughs> arguably one of our most important players right now. I just don't understand, and I I never will, and this is why I don't make a living talking about football. No, he, he's he's played, he started. What, 14 games this season in the league started 14 that's it yeah and that's his uh that's his fifth wow. man of the match from listeners and seventh in, including the two that we've given him so he's now sitting fifth uh, in the in the table uh, on the, in the uh, in the Lou Reed man of the match spreadsheet which is absolutely insane and very impressive and well done he's level with LSI Andalo and just above him is Harry McCurdy, Lou Reed and Jack Payne. So fair play to him. Post-match interview. I bet the club were <laughs> bracing themselves when Harry McCurdy was being interviewed, but he was very good, wasn't he? Yeah. It's just it's that it's just that non-media trained approach that you just don't see in these interviews. <laughs> Particularly where <laughs> when um, yes. he got the, the the question the question along the lines of why are you doing so well now and the interviewers obviously expected some long form multi paragraph answer, and it's just well, the manager picks me, and then silence, and then there's an awkward silence for about three minutes, and Johnny Williams doesn't know where quite where to look, and McCurdy does an awkward shrug, and it's just it's glorious to see more of that, less less scripted robotic football answers, more things like that, please. <laughs> A big point that our very own Connor said on Twitter and it's something that really needs to be highlighted more is he says worth pointing out that Vale are the second best away team in League Two this season 
Given our home form, winning the home leg feels like a huge step. We all know who the best away team in the league uh, roll on Thursday. We'll, we'll ignore that that second sentence because, you know, that's that's classic Connor bravado and facts. But it's it's a real, it's, it's a really good point though, isn't it? The yeah. fact that, you know, Vail are outstanding away from home. And so to win that game, is a real confidence booster to us as fans and more importantly to the players. Yeah. They we made them look ordinary and I mean they've been in a bad run of form, haven't they? They had the, that part of that last day win, they've lost a couple, but they did not look like the second best away team in the league today. Um because we didn't look like a particularly great home team either. We played well ish and we played better than Port Vale did but it wasn't a classic performance by any means but it was still better than what they could do and that's why I've just got so much confidence going into Thursday I don't I'm not trying to sound arrogant but we know how good we are away from home and we know that we're, we're gonna score and <laughs> like I know I'm I'm setting this up for a massive Full and a... Yes, you are, Dave. Yes, you are. We lost 2-0 at Barrow. We lost 2-0 at Barrow. Remember that, Dave? Remember that, Dave? We lost 2-0 at Barrow. Dave, Barrow, 2-0. It's different. What, what is... It was COVID at the time, wasn't it? We had a COVID crisis at the club. Exactly. And it was raining. Okay. It was really wet. And oh, but it's, yeah. What's this now? Five, five wins on the bounce. We've been in the playoffs for five weeks. We've, got, we've not looked stronger defensively at any time this season than we do right now. Our best players are all in form right now. Jack Bain's getting goals and assists every week. Harry McCurdy's still banging two goals every week. Johnny Williams is coming into form. Baldry and Conroy are looking like the best centre-back partnership that we've had in a good few years, going back to Mm -hmm. Baldry and Conroy of 1920. Um, And... Port Vale are going to come out and attack us. And I'm sure there will be some hairy moments on Thursday where they put us under pressure and they might even score, they might even take the lead. But we score goals away from home and we win matches away from home. And I I just don't see how that's changing on Thursday. And I reserve the right to scrub this speech from history in Friday morning if reality turns out to be a bit different. But... Oh, no, I expect it to be part of uh, any montage that you make uh, for socials. (laughs) If we don't go um, through to the final. I think you've given Port Bell enough. I think you've provided enough provisos to to say, please don't have a go at me if Port Vale win. I will probably be a little bit more cautious. I, I still think we'll be okay. I do agree there'll be some hairy moments. But if Swindon do their thing, I think we'll be fine. And um, here's hoping, right? That's all we can do. And until then, we'll think about very little more. But there's no point spending the next four days or whatever stressing about it. No, no stress. No stress, just vibes. No stress, just vibes. What a lovely way to end this episode. Thank you, Dave. (laughs) 
Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. <laughs> yeah, Harry, two more goals for you. Is that extra special against your former club? I don't know if they count as a former club because I never played there, but <laughs> no, it was a good... We've got a great away record. We've won five on a bounce and... We got used to knockout football really the last four games, so it's a good win going into Thursday and half the job done. And 24 goals now for you this season. What's clicked? How is Ben Garner bringing the best out in you? <laughs> he puts me on the pitch, that helps. <laughs> Johnny. <laughs> Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.